Red Raven Games podcast, episode 17. Our holiday special! <laughs> I'm Ryan Lockett. <laughs> I'm Brenna Asplund. I'm Andrew Frick. Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. got a special episode planned for you guys today. We've, we've got a special treat for you towards the end of the podcast that's going to be probably our one acknowledgement of the holidays. We're mostly still going to be talking about games. <laughs> yeah, it's really not that crazy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what's going on lately for you guys? First off, we should talk about Star Wars, because people wanted to hear your opinions oh, on okay. Star Wars. Right, also, well, yeah. our opinions on Star Wars, but I haven't seen it yet, so I can't give any opinions. Okay. What oh, did you Andrew? guys think? All right. What did you think? Here we you, go. Saw, so, you saw it last week. Saw it, yep. I got to see it on Friday, and uh, I loved it. I, I, I loved it, too. I <laughs> just really enjoyed it. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's... um So... I don't. I like. I really like Force Awakening. I don't want to diminish that one. That was a great movie. Yeah. But there's something about this new movie that felt. How do I put it? Like it felt more like my Star Wars movies <laughs> from you know the '80s, Episode Four, Five, and Six. It had the varnish. It had kind of the gritty, yeah. like that. Like now everything was polished and clean looking, and it went back to all that like creature creations and like low tech, not like everything CGI. Now, that is there all true. I, in fact, I want to say there was... Too. Yeah, that's true. And I want to say there seemed like they used more CGI than The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I, I think there were more yeah. CGI aliens and characters. And that's probably true, too. But it, it, <laughs> some, for some reason, it didn't feel that way. And I think... So, we're gamers, right? And I think we've all at least been exposed at some level or not to, like, board games based in Star Wars. Like, there's, they have all fantasy flights. No, like, they have tons of Star Wars games out there. They have Imperial Assault, which we talked about last week, which is kind of like your dungeon crawler, and yeah. they've got, like, you know, card games, they've got miniatures games, the X-Wing ships flying around and stuff, but they also have a role-playing system, and one of those three games they put out for the role-playing is called Edge of the Empire, and you get to play yeah, the CD underbelly as, like, the bounty hunters and the assassins and, like, all the outcasts. Is and it you, set in, like, the Empire? It, it, in the, yeah, it's set in episode four through six yeah. time frame. But you're basically on these fringe planets doing these things that you didn't see exposed or really addressed in episode four. Because it was focused on the Skywalkers, you know? So you get to see, like, these people's hardened lives that they were just trying to make a way and make a buck, like, in this world. And that concept and that experience is really what this movie captures. Like, it's not about the Skywalker family. It's yeah. about these other Joes who are just trying to struggle through during this Imperial occupation in this time of, like... Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I mean, for years, I wanted a story that that told... You know, I wanted a movie that told a story about other people, about the little guys, about the, the people struggling. Yeah. Who weren't the magical who chosen ones. Who weren't the right. chosen the ones. important I mean, people to the Force and the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, heroes in their everyday circumstances. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I loved what they did. Yeah, and they had the Force in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. but they didn't have a Jedi in the movie, right. which is super cool. They had that, and I just loved, like, everything about yeah. it. And, and one yeah. more thing. Oh, go ahead, Renner. It definitely does appeal to me in a lot of those aspects about it being like about a ragtag group who aren't necessarily the most important people in the world who are just trying to make a difference, you know? Yeah, and, and, yeah totally. And we use this word, like, I mean, the, the term indie, right? It's a very common used word in our, kind of in our millennial era age. Yeah, right. But I will say this movie felt more of an indie film, I mean, if you can call it that. For, I mean, it's uh, not it's, indie. It, exactly. It's a very it's big not, budget. No, of course. It's <laughs> Disney and I mean, the machine, all that kind of stuff, right? Sure. Like, like the ending, you know, felt 
like they went out on a limb. You know, it didn't feel like a standard Hollywood style ending. Wrapped up with a bow. Type yeah, of and I I liked I liked that. I think know? it was riskier than you. It was you a risk you yeah. did it, and that's yeah. that was a big payoff because. And the movie itself, yeah. the whole movie is a riskier movie. Yes. It seemed like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh, so. and since since this is. The Red Raven Holiday Special. <laughs> Have either of you seen the Star Wars Holiday Special? No. <laughs> I've seen like two minutes of it. <laughs> I've watched the whole thing. No. Oh, yeah. okay. It is so remarkably bad. <laughs> and it's not, there are bits of it that are bad in like an entertaining way, yeah. but there's just huge stretches of it that are bad in just a hugely boring way. Like it was kind of hard to stay awake all the way oh, through man. it. But then you get stuff like Chewbacca's dad, whose name is Lumpy, and <laughs> they have, like, you're, you're with Chewbacca's family through the whole thing, and they have, like, 12 different types of hologram TVs, basically, where it'll just pause and we're like, oh, and now we're watching a hologram on this thing. And now Lumpy has this headset where he's watching this really weird, psychedelic, kind of softcore uh, alien scene here with this big grin on his face, and you're really uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> you know it's bad when um, Wikipedia, they've got, like, like characters like Lumpy, like, all crossed out with black sharky, like, redacted. I don't know if really, but, you know, they probably want to, like, yeah. We don't accept that as canon. It's not canon. <laughs> Actually, about, it yeah. might be Chewbacca's son whose name is Lumpy. I think his dad might be named, like, Itchy or something. It's getting worse and it's worse. It's really bad. Oh, I'm starting it's to break really out in rashes as I hear you talk about this. It's, and, it's weird, and it's weird watching this super long, kind of weird, boring 70s variety show Star Wars Christmas special. Just the things that you end up focusing on because there's so little going on. Yeah. Like at one point, at a couple different points, Chewbacca's son is playing on top of these railings on top of this huge like treehouse that they live in with like no no safety precautions. <laughs> no one's watching him. He's just tightrope walking on top of this fence where he could just plunge to his death. Right. No, it's no, not no, good we, child we, safety. We don't, we don't want you to spoil. All the plot lines of the Christmas special, in case there's listeners out there who want to who watch want to it go see for it. the holiday. It's probably on YouTube. Unspoiled. Right. Or how did you see it? I don't know. My my friend had a recording of it. I'm not sure where she got it. We had a we had a Christmas. The George Lucas crew will be there soon. Yeah. To like destroy <laughs> it. We had a we had a Christmas party where we watched. We all watched the Star Wars Christmas special. I definitely, if you're gonna watch it, watch it with friends so that you can laugh. They make fun of it all the way through. Sure. Because yeah. that's where the enjoyment is going to come from, because there is no enjoyment in that. Maybe movie. that's why Disney is, or, you know, and, and LucasArts and everything, is making Star Wars movies every Christmas season just to have something to block <laughs> to out. To distract from, from their Christmas the 70s. Specials. Yes. And the other thing I want to say about that uh, movie is, um, you know, about, I don't know, uh, about Rogue, Rogue One, one yeah. not the Christmas special, yeah. <laughs> is, you know, there is, so I don't want to give any spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it, but... And this is not a but, not, this is like in addition to, there, the space battles are a dream come true for any Star yeah, Wars fan. That's like, what I thought. Like, it, I, I want to say maybe a 30 minute long battle. Yeah. Uh, I was like jumping out of my seat. Very exciting. Very <laughs> nice. thrilling. And I, maybe if I say that now, people are going to go and it's going to be, you know, lesser experience if we over, because I know a lot of people are hyping this movie. I went with super low expectations, like I said, last yeah, week. Yeah, me too. 
And I didn't expect to love it. I didn't expect to love it. My wife was, I had to almost drag her to go. She really wasn't interested. Jin uh, Arso or, or Arso, whatever her name was, um, my wife thought was a snoot and like really snobby and very unlikable. And the trailers kind of have a very different depiction. And once you see the movie, we watched the trailer again. Funny, almost all the clips in the trailer were not actually in the movie. So almost like false advertising in a way. Weird, well, right? You know, something I noticed, uh, there are a bunch of clips in the trailer that are not in the movie. Like there are lines by um, uh, Saw Guerrera. Uh-huh. That's her. Uh, yeah, the uh, uh, her uh, father, adopted father. Yeah, the crazy man. Yeah, and like <laughs> there are tons of lines from the trailer that are not in the movie. I got I've gotten the impression just from reading stuff about it that they recut a lot of stuff for the final release, like after the trailers were put out. They yeah. changed a lot. Yeah, they did like a big reshoot that cost millions of dollars yeah. and changed things. So anyway, well, good for them. They, it seems like yeah. they pulled it off by doing. Apparently, that. they had a good result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were things in it that there were like a couple little things that I didn't love in the movie, but that's just nitpicking things. Mm-hmm. You know, like the there were some CG characters that they're cool, but I never like CG characters. So yeah, yeah. 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 So fair enough. That, that was my one thing. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's talk about games. What have you guys been playing? Well, this week I attempted to play Fallout 4. I got it on sale a while back, and I finally decided to try to play it. Failed miserably. Died constantly. I just can't play it. I'm so bad at it, and it's so bad at explaining any of its mechanics that I just can't actually play it. <laughs> Brenna, it sounds like you actually played it successfully. That description describes every <laughs> Fallout game. game, in my experience. Every Fallout game is that you barely get out of the vault, you get to the first town, you die repeatedly, and then you quit in a rage. Yeah, those roaches, man, they're, they're vicious. No, see, this is... The thing that's really frustrating to me, and that I think is really poor game design, is that I couldn't even figure out the basic controls. Like, it's one thing if I'm not skilled enough to succeed at it, and if it takes skill within the rules, but if you can't even explain to me, like, which buttons to hit to do what stuff, then that's just frustration. That's just beating my head against the wall. Like, towards the beginning, when I was still in the vault, I was fighting these basically giant cockroaches, rad roaches, and I ran out of bullets in my gun, I couldn't figure out how to access my inventory to unequip my gun, and I couldn't figure out how to use melee weapons while holding, like, melee attacks while holding a gun. So I just died. And there was nothing I could do. And I had to look up online information about the inventory and the controls so that I could figure out how to get past that part. And then later on, once I got to the first town, there's a little quest line where it gives you a set of power armor. And it doesn't explain how to turn on the power armor, how to get into it, so I just had to hit random buttons. And then I ran out of ammo again in my weapon in the power armor, so I couldn't fight this monster that was attacking me. I couldn't attack it because I didn't have any ammo, didn't know where to find any other ammo. I had, like, three or four other guns, but I couldn't use them while wearing the power armor, and it didn't tell me how to take off the power armor. Yeah. It was incredibly frustrating. So what we're saying here is that if we three... Ryan, Brenna, and myself, if we were trying to survive in Fallout 4 <laughs> World, we probably wouldn't do so well in, in reality. No. 
It's because you. I would die. They don't tell you how to put the power armor. They don't tell <laughs> in real life. They don't tell you how to put the power armor on or take it off. Yeah. Now I remember. I don't know if I made this up in my head. I seem to make up ideas, but wasn't there like a an actual like power glove thing that you could buy for Fallout 4 that had the Pit yeah. Boy yeah. in it? So maybe yeah. that's a tutorial. You're supposed to buy the glove, Brenna, so that you can actually like know your, uh, it's an extra feature. You no, have to buy was, an extra. That was the thing. Is when, I, when I looked up online how to access the inventory, yeah. what I found is I found a forum post of someone else asking the same question, and then like six or seven responses of people viciously making fun of oh, him yeah. for not knowing about Pit Boys, which apparently you have to have this wrist computer in yeah. order to access your inventory in Fallout, which you don't get until after the beginning segment. Oh, okay. So at the point I was at the game, uh, you couldn't access your inventory at all. That makes sense. But okay. I didn't know that, and yeah. this guy didn't know that, but everyone was like, oh, you stupid moron, in every Fallout game you don't get the pit boy, boy right, right away. Yeah, right, right. And it's like, he's, he's, he's never played it before. Yeah. So it seems like... shouldn't need the well, past I, knowledge to play you know, it. Yes. Game. I don't know if that's true, because in Fallout 1... The originals, I don't think you have them. You, you can access your inventory right away. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so I I haven't played many of the new ones. I've played a little New Vegas, mm-hmm. but I played a lot of Fallout 1, and one memory that's sticking out to me is being in this basement where, where these, I forget what they call them, they're like these sort of raptor monster things, and just doing that battle like, I think, 20 times. To try to kill the monsters, yeah, like I, I, they would kill me, and I would reset, you know. And I had like a rocket launcher, so if I aimed it like just barely wrong, it would hit me, and I would die. And they would, like, uh, <laughs> so I yeah. did that like 20, 30 times. It's like okay, quit, reload, quit, reload, and then I finally won, you know, got out of that basement. It's sort of, I guess that's kind of the experience of that game. I'll admit that it's maybe kind of punishing intentionally as a series, like it's meant to be hard or whatever. But I still think you should at least explain your controls. I should know what buttons I'm supposed to be hitting to do things. I shouldn't die because I can't figure out the buttons. Yeah. I should die because I can't hit the buttons fast enough or something, you sure. know? It's a gameplay. It's a, it's a preference. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I, I will say something I want to just throw out there. Whether, I haven't played Fallout 4, but uh, as Fallout games go in general... I can say there's some very evocative moments in Fallout games. Like, I've actually had nightmares of giant roaches and giant ants. <laughs> and the only thing I can attribute that to is having played Fallout 3. So, so I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, being killed by giant roaches, that's... Uh, well, it's possible signature. Fallout 4 has an, has an interesting and evocative story, but I wouldn't know because I can't access it because <laughs> I don't know how to play the darn game. Oh, there you go. So, um, I played yesterday, no, a few days ago, I played Roll for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Andrew, you told me you've played this. I yeah. have, and I've had some interesting discussions with, with Ryan, other Ryan. Yeah. Well, we'll call him other Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm a huge fan of Race for the Galaxy. And me too. Roll, yeah. um, like Race for the Galaxy is probably, it's in my top five games. So, um, Roll, it's been, it's taken some time for me to sort of get used to it. And, and uh, I think the last time I played, I liked it more than uh, the first three times. Sure, yeah. But I, every time I play, I feel a little bit like I'm not quite as in control as I want. In comparison to in comparison, Yeah, race. in comparison to race. I think it's a, it's a cool game. It's got some interesting things. And I don't own any game that's like it. You So basically in the game, you're trying to build up a space empire. Brenna, you haven't yeah, played it, right? Yeah, I haven't played either game. 
So you're building up a space empire. You roll dice, and the dice, you get dice for, they represent, I guess, your citizens of different planets. Mm -hmm. And the dice, uh, depending on what side they turn on, they let you perform actions, like settle new planets or uh, ship goods or produce goods, etc. And I just never feel like I get the engine running, like, smoothly. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's always, like, a wrench thrown into the engine. But, I, I mean, I enjoyed it, and I, I want to play it more. You want to have I your dice, you more. use them for all different actions, you find a way to get them all back into your cup so you can shuffle and shake your cup and have all those dice available for the next turn. Right. I've had experiences where all my dice are held up on planets to be able, ready to get shipped, but I don't have access to activating them, or they're all sitting in my discard pile, yeah. and I don't have enough money to, to, pay, to get them back to get back cup. to my cup, and yeah. so it, it's it's hard because once you get stuck in a rut in that game, it's really hard to get out of that. If you know what you're doing, it's very rewarding. But if you don't know what you're doing, it you can be very punishing. Yeah, and I think more than Race of the Galaxy has a steep learning curve because the symbols on every card, there's all that symbology, and it's almost like learning a language. And yeah. people say like after your fourth or fifth game, you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, but it took that, about five took games about for five me to games. enjoy that game. Too. Now, given that was a thirty minute game, now Roll for the Galaxy, I want to say is probably about twice that length, probably yeah. 45 to 60 minutes, yeah, and maybe right. even longer if you're learning it. Yeah. And I will say, to its benefit, I uh, I enjoy Roll for the Galaxy. I'd probably give it like an 8 or a 9. Now, Race for the Galaxy is like a 10 for me, though. Yeah. Um, but uh, having played with other people, and my buddy Ryan especially, I've watched him play that where his engine is so efficient, running, and he's like, doing yeah, amazing. Maybe Everything I just, he wants, just get it. You know, yeah. I probably... I, I need to figure out the engine. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it done. I've just not been able to do it. And I think for the game, there's a learning curve, and there is probably a reward if you sink your teeth in deeper. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then just a, a kind of a peripheral layer of inexperience, trying it out and just one-time play, and then moving on to the next game. You know. Right. Uh, there definitely is a lot in there, just like Race of the Galaxy, but it's hard to say. Like me personally, I also like you. I like Race for the Galaxy because it plays in under 30 minutes. I know I know that there's randomness in there, and I can work with that randomness because I don't know what cards mean to get the deck. I can go through it, and mine that deck, try to get certain cards for combo's sake. Yeah. Maybe I will, or maybe I won't, but I'll work with whatever I get. Roll. I think the randomness comes in what those dice those come out to. And if yeah. you don't have the powers that let you mitigate and change those dice to other faces, or use the dice in some other way to get what you need, it can be frustrating. Like my brother had a turn where he he could do nothing, and he's like, I can seriously, I can't do anything. That's and, always really frustrating in a game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just stuck. I'm sure, like, yeah, with experience, you sort of figure it out. But anyway, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So I haven't played the expansion on that one, but I hear it's also very good. Yeah. Okay, um, cool. Well, uh, let's see. What have I played? I actually played, I don't think I played any board games this last week. <laughs> no, I some, I feel disappointed. I'm like, it's but a busy time of year. It is a busy time of year. That's true. But yeah. I, did, I did have some buddies lend me their Wii uh, and some controllers. And so they gave me several games to play. We've got a couple of the Lego games, but the ones I've been playing is Mario Sunshine, yeah. uh, two Zelda games, one is the Skyward Sword, and then Mario Wii. Now, my wife and I have been playing Mario Wii. We're loving it. It's the first time in years that I've been able to... Now, which one is this? Is this Super, Super Mario... So you're playing at the same time? Playing same two, time. 2D, like side-scrolling. Super Mario 3 or Mario World-style yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. game. Yeah. And, and we've never done It's been... Four five years, uh, you know, into our marriage, we've not even played a video game together. So, her being able to sit down and do that, we got all the way through the first world together. Her skills, I'm very impressed with her abilities, and we weren't getting in each other way. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, I want to talk about the other two, if I can, for a second. So, okay. 
I am a huge Zelda fan, and I'm a huge Mario fan. Now, I was not a big fan of Mario Sunshine. Now, I played through uh, about 50-60% of that game, but with that old GameCube controller, lots of extra buttons, and having to use jetpacks to fly up in the air, and his little water spout's going up in the air, and then there's other times where you have to move sideways and running out of water, and you're this high up in the air, almost towards the top of the puzzle, but you run out of water, and you have to drop all the way back to the... Very frustrating, right? It's a lesson in patience for me. It, that, that one was not stellar, but... Super Mario Sunshine was one of my favorite games growing up. We had it for the GameCube. I loved it. I was no good at it. I never got very far in it. I just liked running around Delfino Plaza playing with the water. Okay, I'll agree with you there. I like the game a lot. It's a fun mechanic. I'm a completionist, and I couldn't complete that one. So for me, I look at that now with a a frustration that it it, it bested me, right? Yeah, I think we're going to have some differing opinions. We're going to have some differing opinions. Disclaimer, it's about to come up here. Okay, here we go. most Mario games I've completed, um, except for Sunshine. So I also never completed it. I just didn't feel the yeah. need to. I just had fun with it. It's fun. I mean, it's fun to run around with your water gun. And exactly. And, I can take a step back and say that. I enjoy it, but I've completed I, almost I hear every what Mario. You're saying, you know, about I, the game. I, I hear what you're saying. Like yeah. I, Some levels I just could get through. Right. So. And if I can't complete the game... I don't know, something about I didn't get ownership of that experience, and so the, the game owned me, right? <laughs> At least you can start the game, right? Unlike with Fallout. <laughs> right, right, that's <laughs> true. You can do something. Now, now, the next game I'm about to talk about, I don't know if I could say I could even start the game, and this is going to upset some people out there, but... I'm afraid I'm... Maybe I'm it might agree. upset gonna, some people I'm, in here. I'm yes, going to agree with you on this one. <laughs> but the game I played is Zelda Skyward Sword. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So let's get into this one. Brennan, just, just hold off for a second, all right? But we'll, you can have you now. I am a huge, here. I'm a huge <laughs> Zelda fan. I I really can tell this game has a lot of great elements to it. If I can get to those elements, now I am about four five hours into the game, and I have I have slogged through I don't know how many tutorials. I am so frustrated with tutorials and dialogue. Do you know how to do this? Use this button to get this thing. There's no way to skip that tutorial. And my and that four or five hour experience is not from gameplay. Half of that is listening to, reading through dialogue and clicking a button. You can't click the button early. You gotta wait till all the way passes over. So that kind of experience is very frustrating. I want to get in the game and play it. Now, I am, I am convinced that this is gonna be a great game. I've had a lot of people recommend it to me. So I've just gotta maybe slog through a little deeper. I got 17 and a half hours through a Final Fantasy game before I stopped because the tutorial took me too long. I think Zelda's not gonna take as long. So I'm gonna give it, benefit of the doubt on that. But in, before we run against our point, let me just say this. Okay. The other game, though, that I played, because uh, I was getting frustrated with Zelda and I needed a break, I put in Mario Sunshine, and immediately, two seconds into the game, I'm playing, I'm moving, there's no dialogue, there's no leashes, there's no tutorials. You can go, like, go and a play. big area. Big area to, like, play, just go in and yeah. explore that sandbox. And that, in comparison, like, there's, like, I don't know why the Zelda games feel like this need to tell me how to use a shield and a sword. I've done it. Look, look, guys, I've played so many Zelda games. Do I really need to know how to use a sword shield and have to go through tutorials to do that? Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go yeah. out there and adventuring. I've, I've beat Wind Waker. I've beat A Link to the Past like 12 times. I've beat Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask. I'm ready for this. Don't, yeah. you know, so I don't know why they have the, I but, wish you could turn off the tutorials. But not everyone has played all Zelda games. This isn't even related to my specific rebuttals on why I like Skyward Sword, but I think what a uh, takeaway from our discussions today is that sometimes people are frustrated with too many tutorials. 
sometimes they're frustrated with not enough. So you <laughs> got to try right. to strike point. a good balance because you like it, yeah. you were saying you've played all the Zelda games, so you don't need the tutorial. Right. There's going to be someone coming in there new. Just That's like right. someone who's played all the Fallout games would know what they're doing, but I haven't, so I had no idea what I was doing. That's a great point, yeah. But uh, what I really love about Skyward Sword, and Skyward Sword is my favorite Zelda game, and I know I'm Uh-oh, a minority. I'm <laughs> I know I'm a min- in a minority here, and that it's not a lot of people's favorites, but I love it. And here's why. The art, the character designs, just the whole aesthetic. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. The characters... The story, the world building, everything about it is so fascinating and gorgeous and compelling. Yeah, which, the world building is strong in that one. Exactly. I will agree, that's its strength. There's a lot of a the lot cult, of the, the Zelda. culture. We're saying like the culture, the people, yeah, the clothing, get a lot aesthetic. More. Yeah, I will. I, I'm there with you. I but like I'm also, but I'm also talking about like yeah, the clothing, but also yeah. just the world, the people living in the sky, and the whole. There's uh, like a history. The whole history, the yeah. legends, the. The, the whole story and the world that it's that it's taking place in is so much more interesting and compelling to me than in any other Zelda game. Yeah, so I agree with you. I really like that about it, too. And, and, and in fact, we here at the table, I think, are influenced by certain things. We like Final Fantasy games. We like Zelda games. We like Miyazaki's, uh, you know, in Studio uh, Ghibli. Ghibli. And, and, and these kind of things are, are influences on us. And so this Zelda game... It very much has that, right? It has yeah. those things. And, and when I think about like well, like near and far, we did that. Like there is this layer of like world crafting and world creation and things like that more than uh, you know. And, and like this Zelda definitely has it. And I I absolutely love that about it. I just want to enjoy that part of it more. Mm-hmm. And the tutorials, I feel like I've got like shackles on, and I just yeah. want those to come off. And I know they're going to as soon as I get into my first dungeon. I'll probably be like, give me the tutorials back. I'm well, stuck, I mean, you know. Since, yeah, <laughs> since we're on the subject, I mean, that's my same problem with Twilight Princess. Like that, the game is so um, they don't give you a lot of area to explore. It's it's very railroad um, design. Right. Yeah. Also, and you know, I you know, Spirit from, Tracks was the same way too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But also, Twilight Princess is so much darker and more bland. And I know some people like that aesthetic, but it's not my kind of thing. So I'm I'm not. That into the Twilight Princess aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, I've given that game many chances, and I still can't get far into it. Twilight think, Princess. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I want more. I want them to take the shackles off. You know, I yeah. just want to be able to go and play. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, the new one, it looks like they're gonna do that. So the new one looks very <laughs> open world. Cool. Great. But the one final point I'll make about just how much I liked the story of Skyward Sword is that since I've played it, I've now for years been kicking around an idea for a novel based on just a really small part of the Skyward Sword story. It was so cool and inspirational to me that I'm like, I want to take this and run with it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Nintendo has some amazing creativity. Yeah. I I look between those two games, I never, this is like, what, five, six years old, these games we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, the Wii is kind of like now a third generational system, but (laughs) I... I was say, the, watching Mario fly around these different planets, just the, how they did the world creation of the game is so, every element is so innovative. And the Zelda now in the sky and building this lore of this like sky city and the clothing and this goddess festival and all these amazing things that we've never seen in a Zelda game, great elements. And I, I, I so, so stay tuned. Maybe I'll have some, some yeah. more exciting feedback on <laughs> that over Christmas break when I play it. Okay. Awesome. Let's go to questions. Okay. 
Our first question comes from Darren Anderson, who's at Iced Pyre on Twitter. He asks, what is one genre or theme that you would never want to build a game around? A theme that you that never I want to make a game. never want to make a game about. Is this a ask Ryan, Ryan question? Or we all get a chance at this one? Or? Well, it's... it's I mean, I have to, if anybody else has an answer, why don't you... I'll take a stab at okay. this. I, I don't have like a direct theme that comes to mind. But I will say, I don't like gross or offensive themes. What I mean is like, so, this is gross. Zombies are gross, right? <laughs> I get annoyed with all these zombie games out there, especially when they're all the gore factor. So something about gore and guts or just, just, uh, just this over-violent, I don't like that. On the other hand, I don't like edgy or offensive, uh, I guess, moral gray areas in okay. a game, in a, in a game theme. So, um, I don't want to bring up anything that's really like you know obviously like more so than like PG. All TV. Uh, for, 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 <laughs> well, no, not even that, but like what's a good thing like where you're basically like enslaving people and using them as a resource, like yeah. you know, feeding them to something, and like that, that's kind of dark, you know. Or um, a couple of games I've recently are much more dark and gritty and grim in their theme, and they're uh, I guess much more MA or you know R rated in their in their concept. Yeah. So you're doing unethical things. It's one thing to have like a, make a choice and choosing good or having like a moral choice that you can like decide between. It's another thing to say like you are these villainous like murderers and pillagers and rapists. Yeah. You can say that word on the show, but you know like that you're then trying to like do your quest or something like that. Like I don't want to play these fallen types. Like, yeah. I want to play like there's a game claustrophobia, the Asmodee. I really like that game. But the premise was you were those types of characters uh, because everybody else is dead. And so you're now the last hope of like sealing these portals below the holy city of these demons that are coming through. And when you're playing these fallen types, like that's not that's not exciting to me. Like I want to play a I want to be a heroic type. I want to be the hero who saves the day. I don't want to be like saving myself in the terms of like getting <laughs> my own journey. I, I don't know. Right. It, it, maybe it's a personal preference. I really not everybody's gonna agree with me on that, but yeah. I mean, for me, I'm kind of along the same lines. I, you know, it's hard to really think of of things specifically. I I have so many interests, so it's hard to shut down. You know, a certain theme. Like I would never touch it. But I don't know. It's selling drugs or something. <laughs> How about <laughs> politics? You're never gonna go into the political. Uh, it, it, it's unlikely, but I, it's funny because I do have an interest in politics. Yeah. So I listen to, you know, lots of news about politics, so, but I probably wouldn't make a game about it. You know, and the, the other part is this, like, you, I think every genre can be explored. When we talk yeah. genres, I'm talking about, like, you know, film has genres, like the Western or the sci-fi, or you have comedy or dramedy or drama, and you have all these different genres. I think... Even if you're not, even if you don't like a certain genre, I think sometimes it's even more of a challenge or exciting to try to explore that genre to find something that you like within it, whereas normally you wouldn't. An example being, like in board games, there is a genre called the abstract game. These are games like chess or checkers, or uh, there's ones like, uh, there's a new one, Onitama, or in Hive, or two yeah. that are pretty popular. I typically don't like these kind of games. They're usually a two-player experience, and they're two-player abstract Abstract, games. like no theme, and it's just like... It's like, like chess, it's like, real, uh, you know, right. same... 
And yet, there is a couple, like a game, Yinch, that came out several years ago that I really liked. Yeah. And I think I liked that because it was one I could grasp or I could um, I could cling on to and, and call my own, whereas normally I don't like that kind of game. And so yeah. I think, you know, this question is asking about, like, you know, is there kind it's of... It's hard to shut down ev- everything, like everything. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think, maybe uh, a game about visiting the DMV might not be... <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Mary. <laughs> Janitor's uh, plunging toilets. Now, that could be a good theme, actually. <laughs> there could be some fun. Uh... I could see someone selling that. <laughs> yeah. The janitor toilet game. <laughs> so then going, going the other direction, Tony Faber, who's at 2wood4awheat on Twitter, asks, Is there any game or type of game you've always wanted to design but haven't yet? So what's the one theme you really want to do? I've always wanted to do a time travel or dimension travel game. And not like a serious scientific one. Like one of my favorite movies is Time Bandits, which is more of a fantasy movie. But I love that idea of like jumping around dimensions. You know, like Doctor Who. It's not like a hard sci-fi show. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that theme would be really cool. Yeah, it sounds like fun. What about you, Brennan? Do you have any ideas, thoughts, that things... There's, there's I don't design of, games, so I don't know if I can answer this one. <laughs> there's a lot of games that I would want to make. I do a little bit of game design. I do a little bit of computer game design. Uh, I've got a couple of like just little partial games online, like so it's not, like, it's not like a board game thing, but yeah, some sci-fi stuff. Like sci-fi story-focused games. Yeah. A type of game that I've always wanted to design... Maybe like a sim could be really fun. Like you, I talked last week about how much I'm into farming sims and stuff. It might be fun to do something like that. Uh, or I don't know. This is a tough question. DMV. <laughs> yeah, I thought about a DMV sim. No, I actually do think I actually do think it would be really cool. Okay, so here's here's my good answer. Is that I think it would be really cool to do a sort of a sim game of something kind of weird, but simultaneously mundane. So like a DMV sim, but it's the DMV on Mars, and you're getting your license to <laughs> that sounds cool to to drive spaceships or something like that, where it's like some sort of sci-fi or fantasy setting, like, but like really mundane. mundane. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. interesting. That's cool. You know, that that makes me think of. You know, two of my favorite genres of film are the science fiction genre and the western. I like these both for but for similar but different reasons. Like, so the western is taking like, let's just say like a political topic, and putting it on a stage that's very transparent and simple. Like the barrel represents something, the saloon represents something, the white hat cowboy represents something. So you can take these this discussion and put it in very black and white simple terms. On the other hand, science fiction is kind of the opposite. It's taking these concepts and putting it on a large scale, like this epic large scale where the, 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 the good versus evil or like this type of political idea or this kind of concept are now full societies or full planets. And I like that. Um, you know, like I love Battlestar Galactica. That's a show that I, I loved. And I love it because it was a political drama. And they really were talking about kind of in a way the, the politics of the United States at that time, but throwing it kind of in the context of the science fiction and really exploring these ideas in that way. And so, I, yeah, I, yeah, like the stories are very real in that yeah. uh, show. Yeah, very, right? even very the topical. setting is like a you know science fiction setting, but 
So I the think, drama is real. Yeah. So I guess tying it back to the question, I would like to see, like, I like design, like if a game was designed, I, I think putting it into one of those types of, of genres um, or, or creating a game that is uh, exploring character development uh, in some sort of context of like, I don't know, like a like thing, like maybe like a science fiction where you're on a ship surviving together, like, like, and, and like each member of the crew are, uh, have their different motivations or their different purposes or causes. So it's more like a storytelling role play kind of thing within the, the characters, but there's always some sort of larger implication or, or, or threat that you're having to deal and resolve. In a Western, it would be kind of the same thing. Like, but now it's, you're all tightly out there in the wilderness, like in like the desert, trying to survive in these canyons. And you're maybe all, all going after a treasure together, but everyone's got a slightly different motivation of what they want, what they're trying to achieve, or what they're trying to gain. Very much like um, kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. But also this um, uh, another uh, really good one would be uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. It's a classic where they're all trying to get a treasure, but they're all trying to one-up each other and outdo and outwit each other. Uh, you know, and it's kind of just this lust oh. for gold, you know, that, that drives them to these keep pushing themselves and pushing themselves, but it doesn't end well for them. But they, I like that kind of, those kind of concepts where you have a, a, a stake or a threat and you're trying to like, I don't know, just trying to interact with that. And I think in a board game, it would probably, you, know, you could create the confines of that, the rule system, and then who knows, you know, but right. I, I like the story. I think that a, a compelling hook, like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, and then set them in the, in there, and then set the tops of spinning and, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, okay, our final question for this week comes from Nathan Norton, who's at Nather Tater on Twitter. And he asks, Ryan, any light filler weight designs in that head of yours? Well, uh, it seems like the lightest thing I've, I could design was Eight Minute Empire. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, that was the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, uh, you know, Really light filler games don't interest me as much yeah. personally, so I'm I'm never as interested in working on them. I like long, huge, epic games. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. You never know. We'll have to see. Yeah, there you go. Okay, everybody, we've come to a very special segment, and it's not the tip of the week. We're gonna skip that this week and do a song. Special, special happy holidays song. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen. When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even, brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel. When a poor man came in sight, gathering winter Stand by me, if thou knowst it, tell thee. Yonder peasant, who is he? Where and what his dwelling? Sir, he lives our goodly hands underneath the mountain, right against the forest fence by St. Agnes' fence. 
song. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank well, you. Thank Please you for... don't criticize us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, you can visit our website, redravengames.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at redravengames. No S. Oh, yes, at redravengames. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Brenna Asplund. And uh, me, Andrew Frick, at uh, enderfrick1. We'd like to say thank you to Fluid Bolt for the use of our theme song, Doggy Goes Moo, from the album Clay Memory. You can listen to more of Fluid Bolt's music at soundcloud.com slash fluidbolt. I'd also like to mention this week that the um, that Meeple Source has made some custom near and far meeples that are now available for purchase on their website. The game itself won't be coming out for a, for a, for a bit still, but you can go pick up these uh, cool extra meeples for it now if you want. Yeah, and let me also say that we've been out of stock of Islebound for a while, but we're going to have more uh, in January. So so. Pick up those near and far meeples and be on the lookout for more copies of Islebound. Yeah. And if you're in the local area, we now have up on our website a new event calendar. So be checking that weekly. You'll see different events we'll have in the local area. You can come out and join us for different game nights or other events. And we'll have more information about that in further episodes. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Have Happy holidays. Week. Happy holidays. Happy holidays and nevermore.